morning. Happy New Year. It's excited to be with you to start out 2019. And I am very excited to be sharing with you this morning some of where we believe the Lord is leading this church over the coming year and even over the coming years going beyond 2019. And I think it's going to be a very exciting time. I know that Hoffman Town's best days are still ahead of it. Do you believe that? I hope so. And this church has had some really good days. <laughs> but I know that our Lord is able to continue doing a great work through this very special body. And this morning we're going to look at our purpose, our mission, and our vision statements. Those are statements that I think most of the people in this body had an opportunity to contribute to. And we're going to dive into some scripture and see what God's word says on some of these topics. I believe it's going to be an exciting time. We're also going to share a strategy with you today. And this is a strategy that works for seeing the Great Commission happen in a real, ongoing, and multiplying way. This church has always been a Great Commission church, I believe, for the past 65 years. And I believe we are going to continue being a Great Commission church as we launch into the future, beginning with this new year. So as we get started, let me just go ahead and, and pray, and then we'll jump right into it. Jesus, we thank you so much that you're right here with us today, that this is your church and that you're the head of this church. God, we're so thankful that you have brought this church to where it is today and that you have very, very special things in store for this church in the future. We're excited that you've called each one of us to be a part of what you're doing here. God, we look to you. We don't want to look backwards. We want to look straight at you and where you're leading. So as we get in your word this morning, teach us and remind us, lead us and guide us, and show us where you would have us follow you as a church. We love you, Jesus, with all of our hearts, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So this is the real issue that we all are trying to, uh, to learn and decipher as we follow Christ as head. And that is, where is he leading as a church? We don't want to just come up with another program. We don't want to just come up with another strategy or another idea or another statement. We really want to seek the Lord's face and know what he is calling us to, and then to follow him in what he's doing right here. And I believe that's what's happened as we've begun and concluded a lot of this purpose, mission, and vision process. Now, many of you know that we've gone through a series of steps over the last several months, and this was kind of foundational to a lot that's coming down the line, really seeking God's face about where he would have us go. So I'm going to invite some of the Purpose, Mission, and Vision team members up, and we're going to show you the rest of the team. Not all of us could be here this morning. Uh, you can show the Purpose, Mission, and Vision slide there of the team members. Anyway, Jared who's in the white shirt there, is sick. So pray for him and his family if you think about it. They're members here at Hoffmantown. Emre on the far end down there is, if I'm not mistaken, in an airplane right now flying towards Myanmar. And Wayne and Brittany are here with us this morning. So I'm going to turn it over to Brittany, and she's going to tell us a little bit about this process and how it unfolded. And uh, then she'll hand it off to Wayne, and then I'll be back. Great, thank you. 
Hi, everyone. Um, as you said, my name is Brittany, and I've been just, I've had such a privilege and a blessing of being part of the Purpose, Vision, and Mission team. And as I've delved into your guys' scripture that you've given us, I've meditated on it, and I've grown in Christ, and I thank you guys for that. I wanted to start off with telling you about my two- and five-year-old. A couple months ago, they came home from BSF and started to sing a song to me. So this is how the song goes. It says, what is the purpose of my life? To know him, to love him, enjoy him, and glorify him. Pretty simple, right? Well, it's been in my head every day and my children, and it's grounded us. It's comforted us, and it's reminded us in the chaos of the day what the purpose of our life is. That's sort of the very first question we asked you guys on the survey. The first question was, why does the church exist? What is the purpose of our church? And we had 215 responses where we surfaced themes and topics and scriptures. And through all of you guys, we through prayer and teamwork input, as well as talking with the elders and the pastors, we came up with summary statements. Our second survey, where we sought biblical guidance through everyone, you guys voted on the summaries that we came up with, and we had 296 responses, which is awesome. And I thank you for all of your diligence in that. I want to go over what the three are, and then hopefully we can stand. I'd like to, for us to stand up as a congregation. Um, the purpose is why we exist as a church, and we had 66% of the votes on that. And I love how the song that I just sang to you goes with what the purpose you guys voted on, because the greatest need of all, all of us is to know God. And our purpose is to know God, to love him, and proclaim him. The mission is what we should be doing as a church, and 63% were the votes on that. And the vision is where we're going as a church, and we had 68% of the votes. Statistically, more than 98% of the 296 votes had at least one of their statements chosen in these three. And that really goes to show how God's hand has been in all of this, and Wayne's going to talk about that also. But if you would mind, would you please stand up, and as a congregation, we can read, and the statement should come up on the PowerPoint. But if not, you also have your compass, which Pastor Tim pointed out, and on the inside is our purpose, mission, and vision. Okay, if we could read this together. Sorry, the next one. Oh, there we go. Okay. Our purpose is to know, love, and proclaim him. Our mission is loving him, loving others, and fulfilling the Great Commission. Our vision is aligned with Jesus, defined by his love, and united in his work. Thank you. Um, I'm going to introduce you to Wayne Bird. If you don't know, he is an elder, and um, he's going to talk about how God has led us through this process. Thank you, Brittany. Uh, let me first say that it was a real privilege to work with these youngsters. <laughs> Uh, on the PVM team, I was constantly amazed by their love for uh, God, their love for the Word, and for Hoffmantown. Um, we got to 
truly experience God as we worked countless hours in meetings, prayer, and, uh, and scripture study, uh, as we watched him make order out of uh, the chaos of all the data that we collected, uh, in, particularly in the first uh, survey. Uh, he showed us, um, he showed us uh, uh, statements, he showed us scripture that we believe he led the congregation uh, to. One of the most amazing things that we experienced was at one of our last meetings, uh, we put the three statements on the screen in front of us, and almost simultaneously, we all recognized that these statements uh, not only uh, were uh, horizontally related, but they were uh, mirrored, they mirrored each other uh, vertically. Uh, each statement's made up of three uh, concepts, uh, contexts, and I think if you look at them closely, uh, you'll see the same thing we did. Uh, the, uh, the elders uh, agreed with our assessment that these were the statements that God led us to, and they affirmed the statements as well as the congregation uh, at the last congregational meeting. Our prayer is that these won't just be uh, statements that we print out and hang on the walls around Hoffmantown, but they'll become part of the culture of Hoffmantown as he brings us together to join him in what he's already doing. Nate. All right. So I, I believe and I agree with Wayne that this is where God has led us as a church to these statements that define clearly why we exist, what we are to be doing as we follow the Lord, and where he's leading us to. And I believe that this is all possible, not because of any of us here in this room, but because our Lord is able for all these things. He can do these things in and through us. So I'm going to be speaking from Romans 12 verses 9 through 11, and talking a little bit about following the Lord as he leads. And we're going to see three themes in this short little passage that kind of parallel the purpose, mission, and vision statements that you just saw. We're also going to conclude with a strategy that I don't want you to forget. So I have a special memory aid that I hope will help you remember it. In your compass, you'll find a place to be taking notes that will follow this outline as well. So as we begin, let's go ahead and read that short little passage in Romans together, uh, beginning in chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, we read, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This is a real special passage, and it comes in the context of the body of Christ working together with the Lord's leadership to accomplish his will. And just a side note, but this is written to the Romans in Rome, and this was the epicenter of the Roman Empire. And this is a short time after 
the first disciples took Jesus' call to fulfill the Great Commission, and they had launched from Jerusalem. And here there's a body of believers in Rome, and Paul is writing to them and telling them to do some of the same things that we believe God is calling us to do here today as a church. The three themes that that I want to mention today are walking with the Lord, loving as he loves, and serving as he leads. So let's begin with walking with the Lord. Paul starts this little passage in the middle of a much larger passage saying, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Now, obviously that doesn't happen on our own, right? Authentic love and Christ-likeness only come from Christ himself doing that through us through the power of his Holy Spirit. So what we see here is a picture of walking with the Lord. And this is a picture that I think has to define us if we're going to see this purpose, mission, and vision come to reality here at this church. We have to be dependent on the Lord. We can't just fabricate this out of our own flesh. We can't just try harder. That's not going to get us anywhere. We need to be dependent on the Lord as we walk with him to do what only he can in and through us. Wayne talked about the vertical and horizontal elements in those statements. And truly, when we all saw them on that final night that we met together before sharing this with the body, it it just shocked us. And we saw God's fingerprints on these statements because vertically, they all are aligned, but then the first of the three parts of each one are also aligned. And we see that here. The statements begin with these three things in this order, to know him, loving him, and being aligned with him, right? He's the one that we all come back to. We have to walk with him if he's going to do this through us. So I want to tell you a little bit about walking with him and what that looks like. Now, many of you in here have been walking with him for quite a while, so this shouldn't be new to you, but it's a good reminder to come back to what it looks like to walk with the Lord. Walking with the Lord looks like being transformed by his word. Just a few verses earlier, Paul had said, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but here it is, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we walk with the Lord as a church, we have to let his word be the foundation for the transformation that has to happen in each of our minds and in each of our lives. We come back to his word as a church and we let his word lead us and guide us and change us from the inside out. This is one of the things that attracted our family to Hoffmantown when we became members here. And I've heard the same story from so many people in our age group and even in younger age groups. People want a church that will honor God's word, that will love God's word, that will teach God's word without compromise. And that is what Hoffmantown has been for very many years. And it needs to be continued. Walking with the Lord also looks like understanding him and who we are in him. Remember Paul told the Corinthians that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and everything is new. We need to know who we are in Christ 
as a church and as individuals, and then to walk in the confidence that only comes out of that intimacy with him and knowing who we are in him. Walking with the Lord looks like walking in grace. All these things that we learned about in verse 9 here, they come from a walk that begins with grace. Paul tells Titus in chapter 2, God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. If we're to live that Christ-like life of authentic love, it begins by walking in the grace that we have in Christ Jesus, right? And in all that he's given us. Walking with the Lord looks like loving and obeying him. We can't very well walk with him if we're not loving him or obeying him. And Jesus clearly tells his disciples in chapter 14 of John, if you love me, you will obey my commands, right? As we go forward as a church, as we begin first with our vertical relationship with the Lord and walking with him, it begins with this authentic heart of pursuing Christ, loving him, and following him in obedience out of love, not out of obligation. I don't know about you, but my number one goal for 2019 is to love the Lord more than ever before, to experience him more than ever before, to seek him more than I ever have before. Uh, God did some exciting things in our ministry this past year, but none of it compares to the joy of knowing and loving and walking with him. And I believe that that's where we have to start as a church, knowing him, loving him, and being united with him and aligned with him. And that's where those statements start. You know, going on from there, uh, we see in this passage in verse 10 this theme of loving as he loves. Verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Again, I can't do this on my own. This is something that has to come out of that authentic walk with Jesus. But as I walk with him, he also calls me to love others the way he has loved me. And he also tells us that that's how people will know we're his disciples. In John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this parallels the second part of those three purpose, mission, and vision statements. We see in those statements, the second part goes to love him in the purpose statement, loving others in the mission statement, and being defined by his love in the vision statement. This was so exciting because we put 12 statements out there and they weren't all aligned like this. In fact, I don't think you could have picked another three that would have been aligned like this. But we see God's fingerprints on this process. And we also see the importance of walking in love for each other as a church. Now, last year there were times that maybe weren't defined by authentic love for each other. And maybe we all had different opinions and different perspectives. There were even times where people talked of sides, which should never be a case in the body of Christ. Going forward with a new year and a new vision for this church, we are one body. We are called to love each other sincerely as Christ has loved us and to go forward together in him. Can we all agree to that? I believe that we can all follow the Lord in loving each other as he has loved us. That's what he's called us to. See, our love is a response to his love. In 1 John 4, 19, we read, 
that we love because he first loved us. Again, authentic, agape, unconditional love is not something I just produce in my own flesh. I can't do it. But the Bible's clear that the Holy Spirit, in Galatians 5.22, produces that in me. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And that's something that we are trusting him to do in us before we even get worrying about what he should be doing through us, right? First, we start with Christ and walking with him. Then we get to letting him love others through us. And after that, we look at the work that he's called us to as a church. And there's special work that he's called us to as a church. There are people out here that need to know the love of Christ. Last night, we were at a, a store, and uh, I was checking out, and there was a line behind me, so I didn't have a long time to talk. But the young lady there, I just asked her, because one of the tricks about evangelism is to ask lots of questions. You never know what they're going to say. So I just said, hey, I have a question for you. How's your, how's your new year been so far? And she said, it's, it's not been good. It's been really hard. You know, and I said, oh my gosh, what's wrong? And she said, my car has lots of troubles. I don't have money to fix it. It's been very difficult. And I just told her, you know, my hope when I go through hard times is Jesus Christ and the fact that he loves me. I said, do you know that Jesus loves you? And she goes, that guy? (laughs) And I said, yeah, that guy. Do you know that he loves you? And she said, I've heard that before. Um... Aaron and I tried to give her a little bit of cash to fix her car. She couldn't take it, especially because she was on the job. But she, she said, I can't believe how nice you guys are to me. I mean, she was, she was very um, impacted. And we went on. I'll tell you what, there are people that need to see authentic love in us. Uh, the harvest out there is ripe. They're just waiting for somebody to show them Christ and Christ-like love. And that's our job. And that's the next point that we read here, verse 12, is to serve as he leads We're told to never be lacking in zeal, but to keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And God's never going to command us to do something he won't empower us for. So when he commands us to something like serving zealously, I can know that as I step out in faith walking with him, he can do that through me. This is not something that's on me, it's on him. Again, all three statements end with this topic. The purpose statement ends with to proclaim him. The mission statement ends with to fulfill the Great Commission. And the vision statement ends with to be united in his work. So we see this incredible theme of serving the Lord in his work here. Church, we have a job to do. We've been told to go and make disciples of all nations. And the Lord is working across this globe. In Acts 1.8, he told us that he would empower us by his spirit to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's our sacred trust from the Lord, to be his witnesses in his power, to see the whole world one to him. Let me tell you about our Jerusalem right before we jump into the strategy here. Our Jerusalem is uh, Albuquerque in New Mexico, and I got a little slide with some statistics here for you. Albuquerque is about 23% evangelical, which you can interpret that however you want, but basically that's 30th out of 50 states. What it means to me is there are a lot of people in our state that might not know the gospel. And they might be like that young lady I spoke to last night. You know, there are also minimally reached people groups right here in our state. 
like the Pueblo peoples that desperately need to be shown the gospel and to be reached for Christ. You know, as we go out from New Mexico, our Judea, our Samaria, it's also an incredible harvest. Look at our country that we live in. I don't think there's a better place in the world to live for the Great Commission than the United States of America. Right now in the U.S., the country is about one-quarter evangelical. Okay? Again, interpret that how you want. But there's a good chance that a large percentage of Americans don't really know the gospel. Every year, I get to serve with uh, a, a large Christian music festival in Colorado where I lead the evangelism team. And we are shocked how many Christians every year don't know the gospel. We're talking Christians that don't know what it means to be saved. You know, in our country, if you go to, I forget where it was, one of these unreached people group sites, there are 80 plus unreached people groups that have immigrated into our country at something like 11 million people. And they've come to us. They've come to, even to Albuquerque. For Christmas, we had in our home for Christmas, Indians, an Iraqi, a Saudi Arabian, and a Chinese. Those countries are unreached. India is the most unreached country on the planet. Still, they're coming to our country, and we can reach them here. This is our time, church, to follow God as he leads and to impact the world all around us that's even coming to our neighborhoods where we can reach them. Globally, let me tell you a little bit about the state of the Great Commission. Globally, there are about 3.1 billion unreached people groups. And they all, those, those groups mainly live in that red corridor that you see there. It's been termed the 1040 window. And that, that area of the world gets probably the fewest missionaries and the least Christian funding, but it has the majority of the unreached people. Um, I cried as I read this stat yesterday. And my wife said, are you going to be able to show this picture tomorrow? Um, you know, there are 1.8 billion out of that group that are called frontier unreached people groups. These are people that are not only unreached, but where there are fewer than one in a thousand believers, where there's not even one known work of ministry in the entire people group. These are people that are going to live entire lives and never hear of Jesus. Um, that's intolerable. Let me show you another map. It's kind of hard to understand. But this is a map that shows those unreached people groups and, and it kind of attributes to the countries that they're in the sizes of the unreached populations there. Isn't that amazing? Look at India. India just pops. <laughs> it has by far the most unreached people groups of any country on the planet. Okay, God is still moving. God is still moving. And he has brought this church to a special place today to impact our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. I traveled last year with people from this church to the furthest ends of the earth, and we did ministry together right here in our town. So all three of these areas are areas that we are reaching as a body, and that God is calling us to continue reaching as he leads, and that's exciting. You know, there are tens of thousands of new believers every day in Asia, Africa, South America, and beyond. Even thousands of Muslims coming to Christ every day. Uh, More Muslim movements toward Christ than ever in history, and that's actually exponentially growing. There's a great book on that called A Wind in the House of Islam. 
The reality is God is moving globally. Now, I'm going to share a strategy with you over the next five to ten minutes, and I don't want you to forget it. So I'm going to do something that will be hard to forget. I'm going to take off this jacket. Do you guys like bright colors? Okay. Here, here it is. You're never going to forget this. Okay. Hello? All right. So this is my bright red uh, Maasai uh, shirt that I was given in Africa last fall. Can we show the picture of some of the Maasai friends? Uh, this, this people group, the Maasai believers of Kenya, or the Maasai of Kenya, two decades ago were unreached. Right now, the Kenyan website, the Kenyan state information website, says that the majority are believers. Isn't that amazing? Uh, These folks up here aren't people we reached. These are folks that we went out reaching others with. The guy on the right to me there, the young man on my right, he was my translator <laughs> as we went out in Kenya. And he was dressed just like that. The Messiah have kept their traditional clothing and language and things like that. And uh, you'll see them in Kenya dressed like this, many of them. So anyway, this is an example of the Great Commission happening in a body of believers in the world today. And if it can happen in Kenya, it can happen right here. Because the same God that's God in Kenya is God in Albuquerque. The same God that's God in Kenya is God in Hoffmantown Church. Amen? So, let me tell you a little bit about spiritual multiplication, and then we're going to give you a strategy for that. Most of you have seen the graph where if we each started multiplying once a year, the world would be reached in however many years. Uh, here's one that I put together yesterday specifically for Hoffmantown. Here we are today, the beginning of 2019. If we began multiplying once a year as a church, and this is totally possible for each of us to reach one person this year, train them, disciple them to do the same, do the same next year. I know Joe has shared the same thing with us from this pulpit. You know, in, in just a mere 11 years, all of Albuquerque would be reached. Within a year of that, all of New Mexico would be reached. And within 13 years of that, the world could be reached by just starting with a simple and practical strategy. Let me tell you a strategy that we taught those Messiah believers. When we were in Africa, we taught about 1,600 believers. Uh, then we take them out practicing this strategy. We saw over 500 people trust Christ. An Ethiopian pastor emailed me. We saw 40 people trust Christ in his congregation the day that we took them out. He said all 40 of them are now members in that church. He emailed me about a month after we returned. I want to tell you the strategy that I've seen work. I know it works. Our, our whole team has, has, has come into the ministry through this strategy for the most part. It's called the impact strategy. And it starts with intimacy with Christ. We say there's a funnel and there's a lid on the funnel. <laughs> and this thing is not going to get started until I get in line with the Lord. I need to follow him in what he's doing and not just crank out ministry in my own flesh. But out of intimacy with Christ, we do the work. Phil Vischer, you might not know the name, but you probably know Veggie Tales. He's the creator of Veggie Tales. He put it this way, the impact that God has planned for us does not occur when we are pushing or pursuing impact. It occurs when we are pursuing God. And that is true. 
as we grow closer to God, what we saw in, in this passage today and in the purpose, mission, and vision statements, it's critical that we meet new people. That's the next part of the impact strategy. It might be as simple as asking a question in the checkout line. It might be as simple as meeting a neighbor and bringing some cookies over. But the second we stop meeting people, we die as a church. We have to get outside of these walls. We have to meet neighborhoods. We have to be, meet coworkers and friends and, and get outside of our own comfort zones. And as we do that, it's imperative that we also preach the gospel to these people. You know, as we preach the gospel, we're going to find some aren't interested. That's fine. It's not the end of the world if they say they're not interested. We'll also find that some are interested. Maybe like the young lady that we met last night. You'll also find that some receive Christ on the spot when you talk with them. I know that's happened to Joan even recently. <laughs> You'll also find that some that you talk to are already believers but need some encouragement. As we do this, as we meet new people and preach the gospel, it's important that we actively disciple them. We can't just push them off and leave them. We have to disciple them. That's going to start here in this church where they're going to hear the word and meet friends that will encourage them in their faith. It's also going to happen one-on-one -on -one where we have discipleship happening, and we're going to train you for this. It's also going to happen in small groups. There are many of those already happening in the church here, and it'll happen as we help those young believers apply what they're learning. We have to do this whole process in a context of love. If we don't do this in a context of love, it's worthless. And people will catch it right away that it's just a job. We have to authentically love people. You know, and finally, we got to use good tools if this process is going to work. And there are lots of good tools. Apps, books, resources, video series, things like that that can really help this process happen in a very efficient way. Now, I know that this process works because I've seen it work in our team. Here's a picture of our team. We actually took it right out here last July. Uh, but almost everybody in that picture came out of this process, got discipled as a student in college, got plugged into the ministry as a student in college, and ended up getting plugged into the work today. Uh, and these are committed people that have all, they, everybody in that picture has a college degree, almost, and they've all, they all raise support for a living. <laughs> uh, they've trusted God to see the Great Commission fulfilled, because they've seen that it's a possibility because it happened in their own lives. And I'm the same way as everybody in that picture. I know that this is possible. In church, he's called us to it. And he will do it because he is able. It's not on us. So let me give you a challenge. And then I'm going to conclude this message. We want to help you dive into this process. So there's going to be a slide with an email address coming up. Get your pen out. And, and take this email address down in your notes today. Marty Fuentes and the deacons have an incredible strategy for meeting new people when they come to this church, following up with them so that they can feel authentically loved, bringing them a small gift, and just getting to know those people. It's so rare today that people feel genuinely appreciated. And then being available to share the gospel with those people. We would love to have you volunteer to be a part of this exciting plan, which I think is the first, it's the tip of the spear of this impact strategy happening at Hoffmantown. I encourage you to write that email address down if you're interested, and to send an email out this week. Tabitha will get that email, and she'll follow up with you, and we will get you the training you need, the encouragement you need, and the resources you need to do this process 
and specifically even to do it now with the deacons as they launch us in this new direction. I also want to encourage you to pick, out, to pick up a new devotional. Our team just put together this devotional. It's called Everyday Impact. It's like $3.75 on Amazon. We made it as low as we could. Uh, some of you in this room are actually <laughs> mentioned in this book. Uh, I would encourage you to pick it up, not because it's the best thing in the world, but simply because it's 31 days of getting into God's Word and letting God's Word change your thinking about evangelism and discipleship and this kind of stuff and making an impact for him. If you Google or if you uh, type everyday impact into Amazon, it'll come up. You know, the purpose, mission, and vision uh, aren't just going to be statements at this church. They are in a lot of organizations, but here we are determined to follow God in these things with a real strategy. And I'm excited to be a member of this church because I know the Lord is leading us in a special place. So if you are a believer, I encourage you to plug in, to send an email out this week, and to be ready to serve, because it's going to get exciting here. If you're not a believer, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again, so that through faith in him, through believing in him as Savior and Lord, you could be saved and forgiven, so that you could look towards an eternity with him in heaven. If you've never taken that step to believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, I want to ask you to pray with me right now and then to let us know by simply filling out this little card, the purple one, and ripping it off and leaving it on your way out. But just pray with me and say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Today I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. The Bible is very clear that if you put your faith in Jesus today, uh, that you've been adopted into Christ's family, and that you can look forward to a life of meaning and purpose on this planet and an eternity with him in heaven. I'm going to read our purpose, mission, and vision statements, and uh, and then I'm going to let you go. But this is where God is leading us. The reason we exist as a church. The next time somebody says, why is Hoffmantown a church? You can say, well, we exist to know, love, and proclaim him. It's a pretty good reason to exist right there. What should we be doing? Well, we need to be loving him, we need to be loving others, and we need to be fulfilling his great commission. That's the charge, that's our mission. The actions, the steps that he has called us to as a church. Where are we going as a church? Well, the the future that, that God is leading us towards is one where we as a body are aligned with Jesus. He's our chief cornerstone where we're defined by his love and where we're united in his work. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you so much for this body. I thank you so much for the rich history of Great Commission work here at Hoffmantown. I thank you so much, Lord, for not leaving us, but continuing to lead us. And I thank you that you're leading us into something very special as a body. Jesus, we're yours. As we begin this new year, We dedicate ourselves to you. We want to know you. We want to love you. We want to walk with you. We want to love like you love. And God, we desire to serve you as you lead, however you lead. God, help us do these things in your power and for your glory alone. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.